Aren't you glad that your days are in His hands? There's no other place I would rather have all my days than in the faithful hands of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go to Him in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, truly you are faithful. Lord, and you are wonderful. You have never failed us, and we know you never will. Lord, and we're looking unto you tonight to come and speak, Father. Lord, we're asking, Lord, that you would come and speak to your children. Lord, we do not take this responsibility lightly, but we understand, Lord, that there's nothing I could say or do that would, Lord, free these people or or, or deliver these people, Lord. But that's a work you have done, Father. And we're looking, Lord, that you would come and anoint your word, that you would speak, Father. Lord, it's the anointing that would break every chain tonight, Lord. We're just asking, Father, that, Lord, as we look unto you now, that you'll take control of the vessel. Lord, you see my nervousness, Lord, and just the things that I've told with today, Lord, in the Word. And I'm just asking that you'll help it, Lord, to be delivered the way you gave it, Father. Lord, we look to you now, and we just ask that you'll take control of this service. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we'll be turning over to 2 Kings, the 25th chapter, the 9th verse. We'll read verse 9 and 10, and then we're going to look to Nehemiah, the 2nd chapter. You know, as we prepare to to look into this, you know, as I was thinking on these things and, and the revelation of truth in this day, and, you know, it seems like there's a lot of people who can recognize issues that need fixing, it seems like there's a lot of people that can even see truths and, and maybe have some revelations. But of those people, there's too many of them that only recognize and never allow that recognition to put them into action. Hearers must become doers. Hearers of the word must become doers. And we must allow the revelation that we have of, of who we are to actually lead us into what we are to do. It's not enough just to recognize who we are. So, so as we look here in 2 Kings 25 and 9, this is the account of the destruction of the walls of Jerusalem that took place as Israel is being taken captive and, and exiled into Babylon. And I want you to follow me tonight as we, as we make some parallels between this wall and the wall of, the, of protection that we have in the Word. And the restoration of this wall and the restoration of the word that we've had in this day. And it says here, And he burnt the house of the Lord and the king's house and all the houses of Jerusalem. And every great man's house burnt he with fire. And all the army of the Chaldees that were with the captain of the guard break down the walls of Jerusalem round about. And then we're going to look in Nehemiah 2. And the first verse, it says, And it came to pass in the month Nisan, in the twentieth year of Artaxerxes the king, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it unto him. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very sore afraid and said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchres, lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said unto the king, 
If it please the king, and if thy servant hath found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may build it. And the king said unto me, the queen also sitting by him, For how long shall thy journey be, and when wilt thou return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. Moreover, I said unto the king, If it please the king, let letters be given me to the governors beyond the river, that they may convey me over till I come into Judah. And a letter unto Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the palace, which appertain to the house, and for the wall of the city, and for the house that I shall enter into. And the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. Amen. You may have your seats tonight as we ask the Lord to add his blessing now to the reading of the word. Notice there in in Nehemiah 2 and 6, notice how concerned the king is about the details. He doesn't just say, sure, sure, go ahead, go build that wall and, and, and best of luck to you, good luck in your endeavors. He says, for how long shall thy journey be? And when wilt thou return? See, he's interested in the details of our life. He's interested in the details of the things that that he is putting in motion. He doesn't just send you out there upon your own. He says, how long and and when will you return? And the reason for these questions is, is because he's wanting to provide every single step of the way. He's wanting to make sure that Nehemiah has everything that he's going to need for the entirety of the journey. And not only that, but the king then puts it in writing so that Nehemiah goes on this journey with the authority of the king. He goes on this journey with the official seal of the king. Listen, he didn't just send us down here in Laodicea and say, good luck to you. But he left you with everything you would have need of, every provision you would have need of. And then he gave you the king's seal so you would have the authority of the king while you were here on this journey. Nehemiah 2 and 9 says, Then I came to the governors beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. Church, you're not alone tonight. He didn't not only supply for your needs and give you a seal, but the angels of God are around us tonight. They are encamped about us. They are going before us. He said, I'm going to send you, but I'm not sending you alone. I'm sending you with, with the army and with the horsemen of the army. We are surrounded and well taken care of tonight. Verse 10, when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly. That there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. Listen, the devil don't like it when the Lord comes to take care of you. The wolf don't like it when the shepherd's around. The wolf don't like it when the shepherd's taking care of his sheep because he knows then you are protected. He knows he can't rob you anymore. He knows he can't attack you anymore. He knows he can't bring false claims against you anymore. It grieved them that one had come to check on the welfare of Israel. And in this day, church, the mighty angel came down to check on the welfare of his people in this day. To see the condition of the walls. The mighty angel came down to see what was being done to protect his people from the enemy. To make sure that the word that is to be our protection was being put in the right place. That the wall was being strengthened exactly how we needed it in this day. 
That word was to be our protection. He wanted to make sure that it was come and that the word was in its proper place so that it could defeat the enemy any place, anywhere, anytime. And so the mighty angel came down to see about our welfare in this day. And I can tell you, just like here, the enemy didn't like it one bit. He railed against it. He hated it because there was a message of restoration that came to restore the walls. A message that came to check on your welfare, to check on your well-being, to make sure you were being taken care of the way you were supposed to be. The enemy didn't like a message coming to restore what the enemy had destroyed. Nehemiah finds that there is great work to be done. The enemy has completely destroyed the walls. And now those that have returned and are are trying to make a home in their homeland are living in, in Jerusalem at the mercy of those that are all around them. They try to raise a crop, but it's stolen. They try to be fruitful, but their fields are trampled upon. They don't have the protection that they're supposed to have. The the church would try to accept truth and begin to rise up. But they would be struck back down time and time and time again by false doctrines. By the power of denominations. Brother Bradham would even see it in a dream there as as a triune club. that, That it would strike the people with. And he says every time she started to rise up. Meaning the congregation would begin to accept truth. He would drive her right back down again with that false doctrine. She would come and down through the ages, the, the church, the, that little true vine would try to raise up and it would be struck down again. Struck down again because the walls had been torn down. There was no protection there like it was supposed to be. Nehemiah finds that, that there are still stones there. But they've been jumbled up. They've been burned over. They've been torn down. There's pieces of wall everywhere. There's pieces of truth. But with so many gaps there in the wall, the enemy could come and go as it pleased. The devil could come in whenever it wanted. Come in and rob you of your joy. Rob you of your peace. Bring false truths in because the wall had gaps everywhere in it. Had the people living below their privileges. The bride tree completely stripped down by the canker worm and the palmer worm and the locust and the caterpillar. There was hardly anything left. The walls had been demolished and the stones heaped up and burned to make sure that it would be very difficult for it to ever be rebuilt again. He wanted to make sure that it would be almost impossible to ever be rebuilt again. And you look around at our our lives and at the people that the enemy comes against and that's exactly how the enemy does. He doesn't just want to see you fall. He doesn't just want to see you fail, but he wants to so ruin your life to where it looks like it could never be rebuilt again. He wants to get into a condition where it looks like it can never be made whole, to where people just give up on you, to where people don't even know where to start. But tonight I want to tell you that our God is in the restoration business. It doesn't matter what the situation looks like. It don't matter how far down he's taken you. It don't matter if I gave up on you, mama gave up on you, daddy gave up on you. He's in the restoration business tonight. He can turn your life around in one moment, in one blink of an eye. It doesn't matter how scarred up you are. One encounter with almighty God can change all that. Oh, the devil would put years and years and years and years into the life of the woman at the well. But one moment in his presence, one moment in his presence, and it changed all that. It made her into a daughter of the living God. He can put years into your life, but one moment in the presence of God 
can turn all of that around. Mere moments. What a mighty God that what the devil takes decades and decades and years and years to do, God can undo in one moment his presence. Just one moment. I say have a moment tonight. If you need God, just have a moment tonight. Just step into his presence for what it is you have need of and have your moment tonight. Nehemiah looks over the place where the mighty wall once stood. He looks at how it's been left in ruins and knows it must be rebuilt. A city with broken walls reveals a defeated people. A city with broken walls shows a people who are vulnerable. A church with partial word and partial truth cannot withstand the enemy. The first age had left its first love and it began to decline and it soon found itself in exile just as Israel had him but that didn't satisfy the enemy he wanted to make the gospel walls so unrecognizable to where it could never be rebuilt he wanted to make it impossible to be rebuilt to the way that they'd had it there in the book of Acts to way it had, the way it had been there in the, in the upper room in the first age so, so he goes to work dismantling the word peace by peace and once that false vine was in control it began to crush the life out of the church it hated how the true vine would try to rise up time after time try to rise up and fight back and stand for truth and time after time the false vine would beat the true vine down again and again with false doctrines and so just how just as Nebuchadnezzar had gotten so tired of Jerusalem rebelling and Israel rebelling that he finally came in and just burnt the whole city down. The false vine gets tired of the, of the true vine trying to rise up. And the false vine begins to just squeeze the very life out of it and to tear it down. And he does the same thing with the word that Nebuchadnezzar had done with the walls. So the word is stripped down and torn down and mangled and heaped up. True baptism is done away with. The truth of the Godhead is done away with. Intercession of saints and praying to the dead becomes the normal in the church. Purgatory is taught. Worship is formalized. The supernatural becomes buried underneath the ideas of man and creeds and dogmas. And then an ungodly priesthood is set up. And the word isn't even allowed to be put in the hands of the common man anymore. To where the common man doesn't even know what the word of God is. They might can look and see a piece of truth. They might can look and see a pile of rubble and try to get through and, and all the dogmas and the Latin and the things they didn't even speak. But it wasn't a wall of protection anymore. It was just rubble and gaps and holes and the enemy could come and go as it pleased. Till the believer had no protection at all. Only misplaced stones and rubble. Crumbs. Half-truths. Pieces. Just like the walls of Jerusalem. But a king had commissioned Nehemiah to rebuild it. He said, rebuild the wall and I'll give you whatever it takes. I'll supply every need. You just make sure the wall is built back up to where the people have the proper protection. To where they have a proper place to stand behind. He was commissioned to bring Jerusalem back to the city that she once was. He's commissioned and there was a word from a king that said, I will restore, saith the Lord. I'll pour my spirit out upon all flesh just like I did that day at Pentecost. The word's going to be put back into its proper place. Once again, it will be a full armor as it was there in Ephesians. Once again, it's going to be vindicated in power like it was at the gate called Beautiful. I'm going to 
more glory. The wall will be built back up. And not to discount the other mighty moves of God. Like Luther, Wesley, and Azusa. Those were great moves. Mighty moves of God. But they in no way restored the wall. They in no way built the wall back to what it had been there in the first age. They in no way were the book of Acts church restored. That's not what those moves were. But they did uncover some very important stones that needed to go back in the wall. They dug out that stone of of justification that needed to be put back. The just shall live by faith. They dug out that stone there of sanctification that needed to be put back in the wall. They dug out some very important truths, but the church was still bound by false doctrines. The church was still bound by false baptisms, false ideas, creeds of man, dogmas of man. But there was a foundation there. There was still a foundation there. You could tell where things had once been. But you needed someone with a commission from the king. Oh, come on, somebody. You needed somebody that had been visited by an angel. You need somebody that was sent to restore. You needed somebody that was sent to turn your heart back to the faith of the fathers, to build it up how it had once been. You needed someone with the king's commission, someone not afraid of the corrupt systems. Not afraid to stand and call out the religious leaders. Not afraid to call out the corruption and those that would corrupt others. Oh, come on, this is our prophet we're talking about now. Somebody who stood in the face of criticism with thus saith the Lord. Nobody else had thus saith the Lord. This was the one commissioned to rebuild the wall. This was the one commissioned to put it all back in its place. He stood in the face of criticism. He faced Goliath. He stood when his friends turned against him. He stood to rebuild the wall. He says in the church age book, though he will not be popular, he will be vindicated by God. As Jesus authenticated John and the Holy Ghost authenticated Jesus, we can well expect this man will be first of all authenticated by the spirit working in his life in acts of power that are indisputable and found nowhere else. I say amen. That's exactly what happened in this day. He says, who then will have the power of infallibility, which is to be restored in the last age? For this last age is going to go back to manifesting the pure word bride. That means we will have to have the word once again as it was perfectly given and perfectly understood in the days of Paul. I will tell you who will have it. It will be a prophet as thoroughly vindicated or even more vindicated Then was any prophet in all the ages from Enoch to this day. Because this man will of necessity have the capstone prophetic ministry. And God will show him forth. He won't need to speak for himself. God will speak for him by the voice of the sign. Amen. Amen. And that's exactly what happened in this day through the ministry of William Branham fulfilling Malachi 4. God came to see about the welfare of his people. God came down to check and see how things were on the wall. He sent one to bring a message of restoration, to fill in the gaps, to take away the breach as it were, to close up the gaps, to put the stones back in place, and the enemy hated it. The enemy hated it. It railed against it, and they continue to this day to attack the messenger. They continue to attack him because he dared to seek the welfare of God's people instead of the established religious organizations of the day. 
He dared not bow down to denominations, but he stood and he said, we're going to build the wall. We're going to fill in the gaps. We're going to preach truth if it costs me, my friends. We're going to preach truth if I don't have a pulpit to go to. And the wall began to come back up once again. Nehemiah 2 and 10. When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. But see, the very same message that grieved others, it came to bring me liberty. The very message that grieves others brings joy into my heart. It brings liberty in my soul. It set this captive free. I'm so glad that one came to see about my well-being. It came to bring me freedom. It came to bring me deliverance. It came to bring me healing. I'm so glad one came to check on our welfare. It came to call us to be his bride. Oh, it grieved Sanballat and Tobiah. But what did it do for the people? It grieved God's enemies. It grieved those that had their meal ticket punched by the religious organizations. Oh, it grieved those. But what did it do for the people if we look in 2 and 18? Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words... Come on, church, we've heard the king's words in this day. That he had spoken unto me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. Listen, it wasn't just recognizing that this man had come from the king. It wasn't just recognizing that he had been given a commission. What they did is they took the message and they allowed it to strengthen their hands. And they said, let us rise up. Let us get on the wall. Let us do the work. Let us rebuild. Let us get underneath this same anointing, underneath the commission of the king. Let us tear down the enemy. Let us attack. Let us stand. Let's stand with our messenger. Stand with the one vindicated. Stand on the wall tonight. They said, let us rise. And the message strengthened their hands. Not just recognizing, yes, you're right, the wall needs to be rebuilt. Yes, you're right, something needs to be done. It's more than just a recognition or even a revelation that it's the truth. It's more than that. But the message from the king strengthened their hands. Strengthened their hands to do the work. Let us defeat the enemy. Let us cast Satan down. Let us come out from underneath oppression. After all, it's us who's being robbed. It's us who's being attacked. It's us who's being afflicted. Let us do something about it. Let us take the commission of the king and do something tonight. Let us do our part. Maybe to others it was silly. Maybe to others their religion they had was just fine. Maybe to others it was too far gone. Maybe to others these things are just for an age gone by. But to an elect people, to a people called to be part of the restoration in this day, to a people called for the restoration and not just a restoration. You're not just doing the restoration work. You are the restoration work. You are a stone. Oh, that seed gene on the inside of you cried out in a perfectly restored word matched up to you. And the master builder said, you go right here. You go right here. You go right here. And the wall began to come up. You're, just, you're not just building the wall. You're a stone in the wall. You're a strength to the building, a strength to the kingdom. You are the glory of this wall. And elect people. 
part of the restored Jerusalem. The message called the people to finish the work. That's what we're speaking about tonight. Finish the work. Finish the work. This isn't to indicate that, that William Branham didn't finish his work. We're not looking for another messenger or another man to come and finish something that he didn't. He finished. He finished strong. He ran well. He played his part. There's no doubt about that. But the work isn't, the work isn't finished or we wouldn't still be here. The work isn't finished or we wouldn't still be here. Because there is a bride body that is to have a ministry. There is a bride body that has a work that she must do. A work that she must fulfill. The message came not just to show you that. But it came to strengthen your hands for the work that you must do. It came to strengthen you. It showed us who we are. And now we have to get to work. It showed us who we are. It wasn't just the restoration of the word in this day. But there's something that, the, that was supposed to be done with that word. Not just a restoration of the word for the sake of restoring the word. But what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with that word? Because there's a work that's to be done with that word. There's a work that's to be done for all to be finished. Well, you say, well, Jesus finished everything. And he cried out on the cross, it is finished. Yes, judgment was paid for. Absolutely, healing was bought, salvation was bought, he finished his job, the plan of redemption was finished, that's all true. But there still has to be an application of that finished work. Brother Branham would say, but now you have to take what he did and defeat the devil personally. He says the work was finished at Calvary and we only look to that place and by faith we draw dividends off of our eternal salvation. And what we know is, is that Jesus was the complete finishing up or fulfillment of the Old Testament. That's right. He fulfilled all the Old Testament, but not the new. Listen to the prophet here. He said, the word is in his bride. The bride has the mind of Christ, for she knows what he wants done with the word. She performs the command of the word in his name, for she has, thus saith the Lord. Well, no, Brother Branham had this. No, she has, thus saith the Lord. Then the word is quickened by the Spirit, and it comes to pass. Like a seed that is planted and watered, it comes to full harvest, serving its purpose. Those in the bride do only his will. No one can make them do otherwise. They have thus saith the Lord, or they keep still. Now listen. They know that it has to be God in them doing the works, fulfilling his own word. He did not complete all his work while his earthly ministry. So now he works in and through the bride. She knows that, for it was not yet time for him to do certain things that he must now do. But he will now fulfill through the bride that work which he left for this specific time. Woo! What a responsibility. That's a major responsibility. We can't just be on cruise control. We can't just be, well, I see the message. Yep, the word's restored. What are you doing with it? There are works for you to do. There are things that you are supposed to fulfill. 
There are things that must be finished. And guess who is supposed to do it? You. No, Brother Aaron, I just accepted this message. And I'm going to sit on a pew. I'm going to catch a couple tapes a week. And that does it. For what? What are you doing with it? Why are you listening? Why are you feeding on? Well, to gain strength. Strength for what? To go to work tomorrow? This isn't natural strength. What is this word restored for? There are things that you are supposed to do with it. You are supposed to continue the ministry of Jesus Christ on the earth in the last day. Not in one flesh of the body called Jesus, but in a many-membered body here upon the earth. Walking like Jesus, talking like Jesus, defeating the devil like Jesus. You are to fulfill those works in this day. It's more than seeing that the wall needed to be fixed. It was more than seeing that the message is truth. It's putting your hands to the work. Putting your hands to the work so that all things can be fulfilled. You know, we often preach about, we've heard it for years, it's important to recognize who you are. Amen, it is. It's very important not to place yourself in the wrong place. You know, if you claim to be something you're not and you place yourself in the wrong place in the scripture, that can be a bad thing. Very bad. It's important to recognize who you are. Why? Well, sure, it shows you what your authority is. It shows you your authority. It allows you to cast down the lies of the enemy. No, that's not who I am. The word says I'm this. And those things are all true and things that we need. But knowing who you are in the scripture is important because it shows you what you're supposed to fulfill. Knowing who you are is important because it tells you what work you're supposed to do. Where you're supposed to apply the word that has been given to you. Nehemiah wasn't going to build the wall by himself. He didn't bring a message to the people so he can say, now y'all sit back, this is true, the wall needs to be restored, it's going to be built. Watch this. No, but his message called a people. His message reached out to a people who were supposed to be a part of the restoration. His message called for people and it strengthened people to do the work. Look, Jesus knew who he was and so he knew exactly what it was he was going to fulfill. That's how he could find himself in the scripture. Listen to this, when Brother Branham describes him coming to John, he said, Suffer this to be so, John. That is right. In other words, John, you're a mighty man. You're a great mighty prophet, and your revelation of me is exactly the truth. John had revelation. That's good enough. He knew this was the Messiah. That's good enough. Absolutely not. He said, your revelation is exactly the truth. And if we are the lights of this day, we must fulfill all righteousness. All God's word must be fulfilled by us for this day, for it's becoming to us. Behooving, becoming, it's like us. For if we are the true witnesses of God today, John, we are the lights of this age. And if we are the lights of this age, there's so much scripture that's got to be fulfilled during this age. And it's up to us, hallelujah, he says. It's up to us to see that all God's righteousness is fulfilled. And what is his righteousness? His word. Brother Branham said it's up to us to fulfill all of God's word. In other words, John, you know who I am. I'm the high priest. That's true, John. And I have need to be baptized of thee. But we've got to fulfill all righteousness. And I have need to be baptized of thee now to fulfill the word of God. Because all the words got to be fulfilled. And we are the lights of the day. And it's up to us to fulfill all this. 
And I know that your, your desire is to fulfill the word. It's becoming to us. We are the lights. The light of every age should do the same thing. We know what's to be fulfilled. He says, you who are spiritual and know the word of God, you see what God has promised. Now, the word will not come just easy or by observation. You've got to press your way in to do it. But yet it behooveth us. It's becoming to us to fulfill all God's righteousness. We must do it. We must do it. We must continue the ministry of Jesus Christ. We must walk how Jesus walked. It's restoring a church back to where it's not just one, but it's many walking and laying their hands on the sick, walking and tearing Satan's kingdom down, walking and seeing the enemy cast out, walking and seeing his brother strengthened. It's our ministry. We must see all the righteousness of God fulfilled. Satan sees it happening. He sees the people beginning to walk and talk and operate like they did there in the book of Acts. And I can tell you, he hates it. He hates it because it's not just one person called Jesus doing it now. It's not just 120 walking around doing it now. But it's a worldwide body who's recognizing who she is. And by seeing who she is, she's allowing that to push her into action for what she's supposed to do. And what she's supposed to do is tear Satan's kingdom down. The word will tear Satan's kingdom down in your life, in your life, in your life, in each one of our lives. If we allow it to work, it's the ministry of Christ repeated, tearing down the enemy's strongholds. It's no longer just a body called Jesus, but redeemed flesh, redeemed sons, redeemed daughters that he can overcome in. That he can cast Satan down in. Who, Brother Aaron? You. Your flesh. Your body. It's you that's got to take this responsibility. He sees people conducting themselves again like they did in the first age. He sees people conducting themselves again like they did there in the book of Acts. And he begins to throw everything he can at you to keep you from fulfilling what this message called you to do. He throws everything he can at you to get you to sit back and relax and say, I'm okay, I'm fine, I'm just in the message. That's not what we came to this message for. That's not what it called us for. It called us to rapture. It called us to overcome. It called us to feed every enemy, to defeat hell. It called us to do something. It called us to be victorious. You've got a work to do. Nehemiah's very arrival on the scene. Awaken that sleeping enmity that the enemies had for the Jewish people. It awakened. They, they had not been worried about the Jews for years because they could come and go as they pleased. They could take what they wanted from them. They could rob from them. They could steal from them. So they wasn't worried about them. You let a church sit there cold, formal, and backslid, stagnant, and beat down, and the devil sit back just as happy as he can be robbing them at every turn. He ain't worried about them. The wall ain't built back up. He comes and goes as he pleases. But you let just once that church start to waken up a little bit. You let that people begin to move a little bit. Once there was no victory, no overcoming, no rejoicing, enemy coming in through every gap. But you let those people begin to rise up and the message began to become a reality to those people. You let them once stop being just hearers and start being doers. 
Let them one time begin to put the word in action and the works of Christ begin to act out through that congregation. And you find them start to put those dynamics where it's supposed to go in there with, with the mechanics. And they begin to piece it all together one time. Let that start to happen and watch the enemy all of a sudden come awake. Watch the attacks begin to flow. Watch the criticism be begin to come. Watch the enemy wake up then because he hates that somebody has come down to see about the well-being of the people. That the spirits begin to move in that place and heal the sick and deliver the bound and save the lost. And suddenly the enemy's like, oh no, what's going on over there? It's fanaticism. What are you even trying to do? Who called you to this? The king called us to this. The king said restore. The king said rebuild. The king said the wall could be built back up. That's who did it. I say wake up sleeping churches. Wake up and let the spirit move. What meanest thou, O sleeper? The ship sinking. Wake up and call on your God. Wake up. Suddenly those spirits begin to rise up and make themselves known. And try to cast doubt on the work that's going on there. <laughs> oh, it's all emotional work up. <laughs> Chapter 2, verse 19 in Nehemiah. But when Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem, the Arabian, heard it. What they heard was that they were rebuilding the wall. They laughed us to scorn. And despised us and said, what is this thing you're doing? What is this worship y'all have going on? What is all this praying for the sick? Hey, what, 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 are you, what are you doing? And they laughed and they mocked and they made fun. And they didn't think about nothing until Nehemiah showed up. Wasn't no issue until somebody came to check on the welfare of the people. Oh, but suddenly let's mock and let's make fun. Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore we his servants will arise and we will build. I ain't worried about what you're saying. God's going to prosper us. I've seen the sick healed. I've seen the lost saved. I've seen dry bones come to life. I've seen young people filled with the Holy Ghost. God's going to prosper us. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep right on building. I'm going to keep rising up above the criticism. I'm not looking left. I'm not looking right. I'm just here to build tonight. I'm just here to add another stone on. I'm here to do my part. Arise and build. He says, and it's very important and very dangerous. He says, but you have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. You have no place here. This is a scary thought. When the bride does the work that she's been called to do, when she begins to operate in the ministry of Jesus Christ, when the signs begin to follow, when the gifts are manifested, when demons are cast out, those that have no portion in the new Jerusalem will mock and make fun of it. He says, you have no portion. You're laughing and mocking at the wall being built back up. That's okay. You don't even have a place here. You don't have to worry about what's going to take place inside these walls. You're not going to be there is what he's telling them. And it's okay they wouldn't want to be there anyway because that's how it's going to be in heaven. 
There's going to be lots of shouting and jumping and running and screaming and praising God. And if you don't like it here, you wouldn't like it there. So don't worry about it. You have no portion or memorial there. When I was sitting there reading this in the study today, this just hit me so hard. Look over in Genesis 21 and 9, and you see this very thing acted out again. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had born unto Abraham, mocking. Wherefore, she said unto Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son. For the son of this bondwoman shall not be heirs with my son, with Isaac. When you see the mocking and the laughing and the, it's easy to place that in scripture. It's very obvious. So don't get turned to the side by that. Don't be worried about that. Look, Brother Branham preaches on it uh, uh, quite a bit, and the, the name of the sermon escapes me right now, but, but he talks about in the last days, he, he's bringing it there from Peter, how mockers are going to be there. You can't have the last days without mockers being there. It's part, of, it's part of the word. That part of the word is going to be fulfilled too. That part of the word's got to be fulfilled. But there are a people that are called for the work. There are a people called for the restoration. There are people when they hear that message and the message says, the king told me this. Notice Nehemiah didn't even pull out the papers. He didn't even have a picture. He said, these are the words of the king. An angel visited me in my cave. He sent me into the world. The king's sword came down in my hand. That's good enough for me. That's good enough for me. I say rise from the ashes. Get behind this one and rebuild. Be a part of the restoration. The king sent a message. He sent a message and I will not mock. I will not make fun of. I will not question. I'll just say yes, Lord. I accept it. I take it for me, for my family. We will build. Hallelujah. These people recognize who they are, and in so doing, they recognize what they are supposed to do. And nothing, no amount of sickness, no amount of demons, no amount of hell on earth will keep them from finishing the work. Brother Brown says, in the carrying away of Babylon, remember, if God has a work for you to do, all the demons out of torment can't take you. They just can't startle you in any way. God's got a purpose for the Holy Ghost Church. And all the devils of hell will never be able to take it away. God's got a purpose for it. And it will never be destroyed until God lets it fulfill the purpose that he has ordained to do it. And it will. It will. Nothing's going to stop us, church. We will finish the work. We will fulfill what we're called to do. He said nothing can stop it until its purpose is fulfilled. And it will be fulfilled. It's more than knowing. It's more than recognizing. But tonight you got to put your hands to the work. Lord, what part am I supposed to fulfill? What part am I supposed to play? Because we have to be the ones that fulfill all. Brother Branham over and over again when speaking on the baptism of Jesus would emphasize, and I know I've already read one quote on this, but I'll read it again, that they both had the revelation of who each other were. And Jesus would tell John, it's because of who we are that this has to be this way. He says, let God live in you to vindicate the promises of this day. Just as John, as Jesus said to John, suffer it to be so, John. That's right. 
But we are the messengers of this day. We've got to fulfill all righteousness. And if we are the Christians of this day, let's receive Jesus Christ into our heart. And he is the word. Don't deny any of it. Say it's the truth and place it in your heart. Watch the fruit of the Spirit upon you fulfill every promise that he made in the Bible. God wants to fulfill his word and he don't have any hands but mine and yours. He don't have any eyes but mine and yours. And he don't have no tongue but mine or yours. He's still wanting his word fulfilled, but he needs somebody that will yield their vessel to him and say, Lord, here I am. Lord, use me. Lord, work through me. I want to see it fulfilled. Lord, I want to see every word fulfilled. I want all righteousness fulfilled. Use me, Lord. He says, for nearly 2,000 years, God has been again making him a masterpiece because he struck Adam to get a masterpiece off of him. A rib to make a wife for him. And now that perfect masterpiece that he struck at Calvary, he got a piece off of him. It's just the New Testament, that's all. He fulfilled the Old Testament. Now it's the New Testament. Another piece to be fulfilled, see. The new and old is husband and wife, see. And it take the old to foreshadow the new. Christ come, the masterpiece, to fulfill that. Now his bride will fulfill everything that's in the New Testament. I don't want to leave anything unfulfilled. Knowing that that responsibility sits upon our shoulders, I don't want to leave anything unfulfilled. I don't want to leave anything undone. I don't want to leave one promise unclaimed. I don't want to leave one devil unconquered. Listen, that's what this bride's going to do. Every promise will be claimed. Every, every devil will be conquered. She's going to leave out of here a victorious bride because that's the will of the Father. Look, all the ages before us left things undone. Every age before us left things undone. They left promises unclaimed and they left word unfulfilled because they operated underneath portions. They operated underneath gifts and manifestations and portions of the word. And because of this, they, they weren't under the same anointing that we're under, uh, I would call it, under the fullness of the same anointing that, that we're underneath that you and I have today. And so in every age, there was always more to come. There was always something else coming. But in this day, this message didn't call the people so we can look to something else coming. In this age, this is the finishing message. In the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished. This is the finishing age. This is the finishing time. You are a finishing people. There's not another people to come. We can't perpetuate the ages. We can't keep pushing it off. It's you. It's me. It's us. It's now. It's time. We have to fulfill all righteousness. It's called a people in this day like those on the wall in Nehemiah's day that wouldn't come off the wall until the work was done. They wouldn't back down until it was finished. Churches, churches. Brides, brides, listen, down through the ages, look, David had been anointing, but he fell. Samson had been anointed, but he fell. The devil had seen anointed men before, but he'd never seen one like Jesus. No, there'd never been one like that man, Walt. Oh, and he's seen churches. There's been anointed churches. He's seen Luther anointed, but they denominated. He saw Wesley anointed, but they denominated. He saw Pentecost with the gifts, but they denominated. But he ain't seen one like this one. 
It's more than a gift. It's more than justified. It's more than sanctified. It's bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, power of his power. She is him. He ain't seen one like this before. Oh, this ain't just some denominational church that's going to go down. The seed already went down. And I can tell you tonight, the seed is up. The seed is up. The seed is up. This is that. This is the one that went down back again. Hallelujah. He ain't seen one like you before. He ain't seen one like this before. Glory. She has the word. And she knows what he wants done with it. And it behooves us to fulfill all righteousness. You know, we always talk about the word being a mirror. You hear that a lot of times. The word is, it's a mirror. Look into the mirror of the word. And we often use it when we're talking about lining up. You know, this is how a Christian should look. Look at the word. This is how a Christian should act. Look at the word. And I need those things in my life. Sure. That's a great way to use it. But how about we start looking into the mirror and seeing the same victory? I see the same victory in his life that I have in my life. When I see him conquer death, I conquer death. He conquered hell, I conquered hell. He conquered the grave, I don't have to go there. He overcame Satan, he defeated him with the word. I'm just looking in the mirror, that's me. I'm an overcomer, that's my bridegroom. That's who I am, that's who I'm going to be with. And I'm going to finish his work, I'm going to finish his ministry. He tore down Satan's kingdom, let me tear down Satan's kingdom. There is a work for me to do in this day. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to get on the wall. He says, and as he being the groom, the bride has to come forth because it's part of him. And it can only be the manifestation of the fulfilling of all the revelations. Any others has spoke of the bride. It can only manifest. If it does something different from the groom, it isn't the bride. Because she is flesh of his flesh, bone of his bone, life of his life power of his power she is him no longer in portions like it was down through the ages under Luther and Wesley they couldn't finish the work they operated under portions they couldn't fulfill the great commission even they couldn't do it they couldn't fulfill John 14 12 sure there was anointed men in every age that did works of God mighty works of God we take nothing away from that but the greater part of John 14, 12 finds its fulfillment in the fullness of his coming. The works that I do shall you do also an even greater. The greater part finds its fulfillment in the fullness of his coming. How can we do all the works of Christ if the fullness of Christ had not yet come? So it could not be fulfilled in any other age but in this age. It's the fullness of the manifestation of the Son of Man ministry. It's the third pull. That's how these things are to be manifested in this day. Time after time, Brother Branham would put John 14, 12 with the other end time scriptures. You can go and find this for yourself. Here's one example. He says, remember, what time is it, sir? How many ever heard it? Say amen. Was it exactly right? Then we've got the revelation in the last days for the message of the Lord God to gather his bride together. 
No other age has it been promised. It's promised in this age. Malachi 4, Luke 17, 30, St. John 14, 12, Joel 2, 38. Why now, Brother Aaron? Why now? Because this is the Omega Church. This is the seed that went down, come up again. Finishing the unfinished works of the bridegroom. Oh, we're running out of time. The revelation of who you are isn't to puff you up. It isn't to make you an intellectual. It isn't to give you a head knowledge with a a better doctrine than somebody else. The revelation of who you are is to show you what you are to fulfill. That's why Brother Branham says that when she recognizes who she is, how did, what's he tied this to? Recognition, then she can do the greater works. There's a tie right there. It's not just to recognize, it's to recognize so that you know what to do. Recognize to know how to, how to do it. The king's message comes to strengthen your hands for work, not just so that you know things. And so we've received the king's message, and once again, I say, let the mockers mock. I know where this message came from. Let them make fun of the work. That's fine. This work has been commissioned by the king. It's been commissioned by God Almighty. That the bride is doing what the groom did and what the groom would do if he were here in his corporal body. She's doing the exact same thing. He says it has to be because a woman and her husband become one. They become one, and so does the bride and Christ become one. The ministry of the bride and the ministry of Christ is the same. The hour that we're living, oh God, the world is falling apart. There hangs in the hangers bombs. There hangs the thing to do just exactly. The church is ready. She's sealed in, ready to come. There will be a big outpouring of the Spirit. Yes, sir, to grab that church and take her into the skies. Exactly. Because see, the church, the Word, the bride, and Christ, His ministry is in the bride, which is His body. He says the celestial body, I mean to say the supernatural body of his here on the spiritual body on earth. His spirit is in there living his life right out until him and the church becomes one in the wedding. You know, the people that were called by Nehemiah's message had a mind to work. That was an anointing. They were under to work, driven to finish what the father had given them to do. There's a people today driven to finish the work. Keep building. Keep focused. Get to the goal. Finish. Driven to work. Push to go another step. Some days you don't feel like it. Just take another step. Keep fighting. Keep going. Get the wall closed in. Get everything placed properly. Get the token applied. Take another step. Listen, it has to be made ready. It has to be fulfilled. What is it driving us? The same exact thing that drove Jesus He says, Jesus saith unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. And just like the groom, what drives us, the bride, is to finish his work. If that's his will. And he says that the bride has his word and she knows what he wants done with it. He wants his works finished. He wants all righteousness fulfilled. And he has a bride on earth that says, I'll do it, Lord. I'll do it. I'll fulfill the work. I'll go to work. I'll stand the criticism. I'll stand the test. You've got to run with all you've got. This is the finishing lap. It's the final leg and the baton's been put in your hand. You don't put people out on the track handling the baton and they go, well, you know what? I'm really not that fast. Um, 
Um, I'm not even sure why coach put me in this place. No. No. Let me tell you what, when that baton comes around the corner and you get it, no matter how fast you are, how slow you are, there's a lot of people coming. And they are coming fast. So you get it and you run. And you run with everything you got. And you go as hard as you can. And if you ain't got enough, I got a God that's got grace to carry you. He'll make sure you go fast enough. He'll make sure you get to the finish line. He'll push you across. He'll take you to the end. I'm just saying, run. Run with all you got. Get to the finish line. Finish the work. You've got to run. Oh, the hounds of hell are on the track. Run for all your worth. Get to the living waters. Get to the finish line. Work. Get on the wall. Get on the wall. Don't be distracted right now in the closing moments by the mockers. Don't get caught up in if the others are doing their part. You've got the baton. It don't matter what others are doing. Focus. Don't be distracted. Get your mind back on the work. Amen. Nehemiah 4.1, as I try to bring this down, says, but it came to pass that when Samballot heard that we builded the wall, this is at the completion of it, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews, will they fortify themselves? In that, how many times have you heard that? When the devil's losing, he wants to come and start making it personal. Oh, you're so weak. You don't have any real faith. Who are you? Feeble Jews. What do you think you're going to do? See, at this point in the story... what do you think you're doing what do you think you're going to do these walls they're going to fall down one of them even says as a fox runs into your wall it's just going to tip it over it's, it's, it's weak because see when you start doing the work that's commissioned by the king there will be mocking oh you think you can do the greater works okay oh you think there's still tongues and interpretation you think prayer lines altar call you think you can still receive the Holy Ghost <laughs> no we've matured beyond that we, 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 we're beyond that. Oh, you think you can still be healed? This message has so many flaws in it. Oh, the messenger is so flawed. There's so many, and they point, and they attack, and they come. But see, what it is, is at this point in the story, Sanballat and his other friend, whose name's not up there and who I currently have forgotten, are actually extremely worried because they're still saying all the same stuff they've been saying. But in just a matter of days, all of a sudden, there's a wall. There's a wall there. And this reminds me very much of the exact same thing that happens when someone comes up and they're dealing with the spirit. And you begin to deal with that spirit. And he begins to say, I won't come out. Oh, we've seen it too many times. I won't let her go. I won't come out of him. He's saying these things because he knows it's over. It's finished. And the last thing he might could do is possibly bluff you enough to get you to back off. I got news for you, buddy. We ain't backing off. We ain't backing up. We got you on the ropes. 
We got you on the ropes and we're in the final line and we ain't backing up. We ain't giving in. The wall is built. The wall has been restored and we're standing on it. And from up here, I can see a mighty long way. I can see King Jesus coming. I can see a body change. I can see a rapture. I'm not coming off this wall. I'm not backing up. I'm not backing down. They're worried. They're scared. They're on the ropes. They see the gaps closing. They see power being restored. They see people operating in power. And they're worried and they continue to try to mock. And the wall grows stronger and stronger and stronger. So the enemy at this point begins to send raids. They begin to send raids and to try to attack the workers. Try to stop the work. But the workers just arm themselves. The workers just take up a sword. They just take up swords when they go to work on Monday morning. They take up swords when they go to school. They take up swords when they're mixing mud. They take up swords when they go shopping. They take up swords while they're trying to teach their and homeschool their kids. And while they're holding the sword, they teach their kids how to swing the sword. And everybody knows how to swing a sword. And they're like, come on. Come on, try to stop this. I want to make a declaration tonight. You can't stop the ministry of the bride. The ministry of the bride will not be stopped. It will not be slowed down. It will not be hindered. You can come. You can throw your darts. But the wall's going up. The bride is going up. We will finish the work. We will finish everything that was left for us. You can't stop this bride. You can't stop this ministry. We have been called for a time as this. We have been called for this work. We will finish this work. You can't stop us. There's going to be threats. There's going to be lies. There's going to be evil reports. You're going to have people turn against you. There's going to be mocking. Build. Build. Fight while you work. Fight while you study. Fight while you wash. Housewife, have your sword out while you're washing the dishes. Have your sword out. You can put it up when your husband comes home. But have it out while you're vacuuming. Have your sword out. Be ready any minute for an attack. You don't know when he's coming, but I'm telling you, we're ready for him. Five different times, Sanballat and his confederates challenged Nehemiah and the Jews to meet them in battle out in the plains. Why? It had nothing to do with literally wanting to fight. It had to do with wanting to get them off the wall. To distract them from the work that they were doing. But he would not be distracted. All right, listen. You, you can't get caught up in drama. Well, they said this about me. And this church over here says this about this church. And that church and that pastor don't agree. And they said something about me. And they did this and they did that. And the devil keeps saying, somebody in the midst of all that. Because that goes on in every life. That stuff. But somebody's going to go, I got a work I got to finish. I got a wall I got to build. I'm not coming off this wall to deal with that nonsense. I'm not coming out into the valley to fight you right now. I'm building a wall. I'm going to do the works that he did. I'm going to fulfill all righteousness. I'm going to overcome. I'm going to rapture. That's where I'm at. Give me another brick. Give me another brick. This saying this, this saying that. Give me another brick. I'm going to keep on building. I'm going to finish this race well. Listen, we're in a fight. And Brother Timothy said it best. He said, let's make it a good fight. Let's make it a good fight. Acts 20, 22. I was just thinking about Paul and 
how we all have something to finish. And he says, and now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Paul says, I'm going bound. I don't even know what's going to happen to me. I don't know how bad I'm going to be beat. I don't know how bad I'm going to be scourged. And none of that even matters to me. He said, I ain't worried about it, none. I don't even care about my own life. He says, just let me run. Just let me finish what God called me to finish. It doesn't matter what it costs me in this earthly life, Paul says. I just want to finish strong. I just want to finish well. Lord, let me do my part. Let me finish what you called me here to finish. I can put my voice there with Paul. I know others ran their race. Others stood the test. Others did their part. Now it's our turn. Now we're on the wall. The wall is stained with the blood of martyrs. Staying with the blood of others that have gone before, life's given, races well run, just like Brother Branham. Paul ran well, Luther ran well, Wesley ran well, William Branham ran well. Now you're on the wall. Brother Branham says, as I said this morning in the message, in our message this morning, it behooveth us. It's becoming to us that we fulfill all righteousness. It's up to us to whom the word has been delivered to. It's up to us that we stay with that word. And as we stay with it, we see God working among us. So it's becoming to us to stay with it. I love this part. It's a heritage that God has given us. It's a heritage. Those are my people, as we might say. Those are my brothers that stood to build this wall. I'm not giving none of it back. You can't have one stone. As a matter of fact, I'm adding to it. We're strengthening. We're building up. Makes me think of Abraham Lincoln in the Gettysburg Address where he made these famous words. He said, it is for us the living rather to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who fought here have thus far so nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion. Give it your all. Give it your everything. Don't leave nothing undone. Don't leave one promise unclaimed. Don't leave one devil hiding in your life. Defeat it all. Others have given all. Give your everything. Give your everything. Tonight the musicians can come. There's an unfinished work. But there's a people called to finish it. There's a people called to finish the work. The works that I do shall you do also and greater. That's our section right there. That's where we're at. That's the section that we're fulfilling. Brother Brown says, I declare to you tonight, my dear brother, that the works that Jesus Christ did, he never finished them. He finished his life at the cross that he might pour it back into you. And the church would do the same thing he did. How long, Brother Aaron? Until he comes again. Oh, but we don't do these things because it's after 1963. Because Until he comes again. I'm still here. We're still here. 
so the work isn't finished. There's still more that we can do. What are you saying tonight, Brother Aaron? Build. Don't be distracted. Well, I'm waiting on the Lord. I'm waiting on the Lord. No, actually, and I'm not going to get into it. I got quote after quote after quote right here that says, The Lord is waiting on you. He says, The bride hath made herself ready by finishing the works, by taking the word and put it into action. My closing quote says, what difference does it make whether we got a nickel or a dime, whether we got something to eat or whether we haven't, whether we're living or dying, God promised the meek shall inherit the earth. It behooveth us. It's becoming to us that we live like it, act like it, that we fulfill all righteousness. God wants men and women who will stand and fulfill all righteousness. Of course, righteousness is his word. Are we ready to stand tonight? If you'll stand with me to your feet as we close this. A people, he said, that will stand and fulfill all righteousness. A people ready to fulfill all. A people ready to give their everything. I'm waiting on him, Brother Aaron. No, he's waiting on a people to fulfill what he left for them to fulfill. Nehemiah 6.15, so the wall was finished in the 20 and 5th day of the month, Elul, in 50 and 2 days. And it came to pass that when all our enemies heard thereof and all the heathen that were about us saw these things, they were much cast down in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was wrought of our God. The bride is fulfilling John 14, 12. The bride is allowing him to live through her and conquer through her. And the work is being wrapped up by people who have a mind to work. And the enemy is saying, this work is being wrought by their God. And their eyes are cast down. They know what's done is of the Lord. They know that you can't orchestrate these things. They know these things aren't of man. But what are we called to do today? Finish. Build. They have the word and they know what he wants done with it. It's not to collect tapes. But it's to put the word in action. The word in flesh in action. You know, we talked about the very beginning being doers and not just hearers you know some of the things we read in the books that in the bible that seem so marvelous so amazing so outstanding really we don't have to do anything special all we have to do is just be a doer of the word you don't even have to defend the miraculous it's in the word you don't have to defend your worship we're just doing what the word said it's in the word even in our praise it's literally just putting the word in action the word says praise him in the dance the word says shout. If I just do what the word says, that's how I'm going to worship. You don't have to defend it. Let the word do it. It says everything that has breath, praise ye the Lord. So when you're asked that the entire congregation lift up your voice, we're just asking you to do what the word said. We're just wanting to be doers of the word. The word promised gifts. We're just expecting it because the word said so. You know... Gifts being in the word don't never bother anybody until they actually start to happen. They don't mind reading it. The word says lay hands on the sick. We're just putting the word in action. And that's all you have to do to fulfill all righteousness. Just say, Lord, my hands are available. My body's available. And I just want to put the word in action. Father, we come before you tonight, Lord. Lord, as a people that are humbled lord knowing lord jesus the responsibility that you have given us in this day 
Lord, that you didn't finish all, but you have called a people to get on that wall. You have called a people to finish the work. You have called a people that have the mind of Christ and they know what they, that you want done with the word. That have thus saith the Lord. Lord, we thank you that you sent one in this day commissioned by the king. Lord, thank you that you came to check on the well-being and the welfare of your people. Lord, we thank you that there's a restored word. There's a restored protection. And Lord, Eve may have stepped out from behind it, Father. But tonight, Lord, may each and every one of us get in behind that wall. Get in behind that word and stay there safely. And Lord, may we put our shoulder to the wheel and do everything to fulfill all that you have asked us to fulfill. You said because of who we are, we must fulfill all righteousness. Lord, we give you this time now. We ask that you'll bless it, Lord. And Lord, that each heart will be touched according to how you, you saw it, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Satan tries to stop me, turn me aside, says there's no need for you to go on, no need to try, even if there was a rapture, you'd never make it in, that's when I say to Satan, I'll prove you're a liar again.
take it so long gone and the miracles are done I have some good news to bring to you preaching. Amen. Appreciate the word of the Lord tonight. Amen. I believe the key of D. Let's just sing this song. Amen. Take these hands. Amen. No matter what part of the wall he wants us to build, just say, Lord, take my hands. Amen. Amen. We'll sing this before we go. We do have just one quick announcement. If there's anybody uh, available afterwards, we need some tables moved to the gym for the main domain. Um, also need some clothing racks in the storage building moved over to the gym. So, and then if you can help with that, it would be appreciated. Let's just take a moment to sing this song to him. Amen. We just know we're nothing without his grace in our lives. 
Oh, take these hands and lift them up, for I have not the strength to praise you near enough, for I